Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 148, and we are recording on February 16th. I'm Sharifa Williams, here with guest and managing editor and co-host of All the Books, Vanessa Diaz. And today, we are taking a moment to talk about the world of SFF TikTok, which is hilarious and fun and interesting and a place I have not personally explored a lot of. Um, So thank you for joining me, Vanessa. Yeah. Before we talk about some news, I'm going to tell you about a position we're hiring for. And we've talked about this position a couple times, uh, but the applications are still open for a full stack web developer. This is a permanent full-time position. And we are looking for somebody who knows all of the things about development. And we have some details, including information about benefits and pay and the job description and duties all over at our site. It's at riotnewmedia.com slash careers. Again, that's riotnewmedia.com slash careers. So if you know somebody or you are somebody who would be interested in a full stack web developer position, be sure to submit your application by, I believe the deadline is February 28th. Yes, February 28th. All right. So let's talk about some news after we hear from a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in the spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. And ever since her Albachan died, Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi, and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, um, I'm super excited for this. So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness by Mai K. Nguyen. And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed and she thought she was done. Eh, she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, Vanessa, do you want to kick us off with your first news pick? 
Yes, and I'm so excited about this one, um, as I've already waxed a little bit about it to Sharifa. (laughs) um, (laughs) Per a Rolling Stone piece by Megan Jordan, um, this is, it's called Netflix's My Dad the Bounty Hunter is an Afrofuturist Marvel, and that pretty much sums it up in one sentence. I did not know anything about this series. I don't know if you did, but it is, it just looks so adorable. It is indeed an animated series from Everett Downing Jr., who is a director. He actually directed the animated, I think it was a short, of Hair Love by Matthew Cherry. And then Patrick oh, Harpin, yeah. who is an artist. He did. He worked on Moonrise Kingdom. So yeah, Downing Jr. basically talked about how we still never get to see space from the Black perspective. And, you know, geeking out as a child, like so many you know Black folks, and really people in general did, seeing like Lando Calrissian and being like, hey, there's a Black dude in space. And basically took that wanting to see better representation and apparently also an actual real life scenario of feeling like he wasn't spending enough time with his kids and parlayed that into the base of this story, which I just think is so cute. So the plot is that Terry, the main character who is voiced by Laz Alonzo, is a dad trying to handle a separation from his wife, Tess, who is voiced by Yvonne Orji, who I love. And he's trying to balance, you know, the end of this marriage and figuring out how to co-parent. He's his two like really strong-willed kids while also doing his job, which his kids do not know a lot about. They think, I can't remember what I read, but I, I want to say they think he does like deliveries, like something kind of boring. And they decide to basically stow away on his ship to like go spend some more time with dad. And that is when they learn that their dad is not a delivery driver, but that he's an intergalactic space, like a, a, a bounty hunter. <laughs> he captures and battles aliens who are trying to invade like other space colonies. And of course things, you know, get like wild and adventure time from there. It just looks so cute. And I loved getting to know more about it. Like this Rolling Stone piece does a really great job of going back to giving kind of a history and a definition of what Afro Afrofuturism is and other associated terms like Afro-Jujuism or African Futurism, African Jujuism. And the writer's room to me was really interesting. It's majority black, which is great. And it also features Tomi Adeyemi, who is the author of the Children of Blood and Bone mm-hmm. series. And it's it's just great to see that kind of a writing room because they made it a real point to make sure the blackness was not a plot point or a point of discussion, which is a thing that I always say I love to see in representation. Like, I want my culture to be a thing, but not the thing sometimes. Like, we just want to exist. And if you're getting Incredibles vibes, that is actually a thing they reference in this piece about how, like, the, you know, writer, people in the writer's room were big fans of the whole concept of, like, oh, we don't really know what our parents do. And they've, you know, they do these really cool things and how no one ever asks, like, why is this family white? So in the same way, they took the approach of, like, we're not going to ask, like, why this family is black. We just, they just get to experience, you know, being a space family and also happen to be black. So anyway, I've gone on on this for a while, but I just, it, the trailer is really great. The voicing is so perfect. There's a lot to learn from it. Like, I'm I'm really jazzed about this series. Yeah, I am too. I was, I was telling Vanessa offline that I'm, I'm about to go see my nephews this weekend and it sounds like the perfect thing for, you know, a four-year-old maybe to watch. Um... Especially since it's a series, it's short, it's not a whole movie, they don't have to pay a lot of attention for too long. (laughs) Very important with small children, I've learned. Yep. Uh, But it's it's so cute, and I love everything. They really do go into detail about, like, all of the different uh, terms that have been coined by scholars and people in literature and elsewhere. I thought the whole piece was really interesting, the way it was framed and the different perspectives about all of the different types of black science fiction and speculative fiction and, you know, historical science fiction coming from the black community. So it's a really great article to just get into and fully read because there's a lot of great information here. And I was totally surprised that Tomi Adeyemi was in there. Yeah. I did not expect that going into this article, but that's really cool. Because I love, I love that book, that oh, series. Me too. It's so good. So. Yeah, you kind of think you're going into just like a trailer, like when you first look at the piece, like, oh, it's gonna be a trailer about this fun series. And then you get this whole history. Yeah. On, like the black science fiction movement. And there's actually a quote that I wrote down and I am not gonna remember the whole thing because I don't know where I put that note. But it's from um, 
a professor from the University of Georgia. I think it was Isaiah something, Isaiah La- Lavender. I really think that, yes, there it is. Found it. Um, if you're looking That's for an alien name. invasion <laughs> metaphor, <laughs> if you're looking for an alien invasion metaphor of the root of Afrofuturism has already happened on our planet and then goes into how like that metaphor truly is there. If you think about the way that enslavement first happened, where it was people existing in a country and then these alien ships and these alien people came and took them to like their alien place. Like, again, you think you're coming just for this trailer, about this really adorable space series. And then you get this really robust history. I was like, oh, okay, great. Like it's really, really well written. And education. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That was a a great find. It was not on my radar. So I'm glad you put it on my radar. Yay. Well, I am going to move us to some strange real-life science (laughs) fictional sounding news, but this piece comes from IFL Science. It's written by Dr. Alfredo Carpinetti, and it's talking about a new Earth-sized planet that might be habitable. And it sounds like something out of a literal sci-fi novel because half of it is in, half of this planet is in eternal darkness, which I know I have read like a couple of books or I've come across, I haven't read them because I don't read that quickly, but I've, I've come across a couple books that had this sort of same setup. So I just thought it was interesting and I had to double check to make sure this wasn't like you know, uh, satire piece. <laughs> <laughs> Always gotta make sure. <laughs> yeah. So this is, um, a, I guess, astronomers f- had dis- announced the discovery of this Earth-sized exoplanet. It's called Wolf Ten Sixty Nine B, and it is again in the habitable zone. So, in this zone, water can exist as liquid, vapor, or ice, and Only around 60 of the exoplanets, the confirmed exoplanets, might be like Earth and in a habitable zone. That's a hard word to say. But (laughs) the ones that are Earth-sized or smaller only make up one-fifth of that. So this is a pretty rare find and a really interesting one as we think about where our planet is headed with climate change and all of the disasters and as we continue to think about things like I and I will use the horrible word colonizing other planets which I know is top of mind in not only scientist uh conversations but also certain very wealthy people who have ideas about what they want to do as far as uh, space exploration and planetary exploration goes, I always feel a little bit squicky and weird about stuff like that, especially because we're not doing a great job of taking care of the planet while we are here. But I am also super fascinated with the idea that there might be not only habitable planets, planets that have some semblance or some similarities to earth but also could there be life on these planets is there some sort of organism you know even if it's not our our uh, vision of an alien of an extraterrestrial <laughs> that walks and speaks and is you know has a uh, developments in technology but like microorganisms that's also like really interesting and and has the potential to be pretty groundbreaking uh, as far as findings go. So other than this planet being half in darkness and sounding like it would be my nightmare in terms of temperature, if <laughs> if it has an atmosphere, <laughs> you know how cold I, I do oh, not do oh well in cold temperatures. But the side of the planet that is not in darkness, if it has an atmosphere, the average temperature would be 55.4 degrees Fahrenheit, which they deem, you know, obviously that is good (laughs) enough for habitability. But in my head, I'm like, oh my goodness, I would need to be swaddled 
all the time. I would need to have a space heater around me at all times. Of course, these are the things I think about as we talk about <laughs> discovering new planets. Sharifa is going really... to stay on our too hot planet <laughs> after climate change happens. She's going to hold it down here. And the rest of us are going to go to the new place and write letters. It's going to be fine. You would hate it. You hate being cold. I hate it so much. I would just be here with my stick and my marshmallows and hot dogs just roasting <laughs> myself and my food in the general atmosphere. But Oh my gosh, speaking I don't know, of atmosphere like, though, I was going to say my favorite part of this article is probably the I don't know if you were about to say this and if I stole your thunder, but my favorite part of this piece is that it says all this stuff about this. Right. And you're like, OK, cool, cool, cool. And then it's like, OK, unfortunately, yes. in order to figure out <laughs> if it has a big enough or if it has an atmosphere, because like so the Wolf 1069 alone, like just that name is the star. And then 1069B is the planet. So they need to figure out if it has an yes. atmosphere. They're like, unfortunately, we're waiting for the next generation of telescopes to be built, which like, fine. Except this is the part where I was like, is this satire? Because they're like, yeah, we're waiting for the extremely large telescope, like ELT, yes! and it's all capitalized. <laughs> and then the little acronym at the end indicate that that is the official name. And that felt like when I tell you that I'm having a hashtag like bad day TM or trademark, like who who got to name this thing? <laughs> who was tired? Who didn't get pay- who wasn't getting paid overtime <laughs> when they decided the name for this telescope? And he was like extremely large telescope. Like that's the official name. <laughs> For the big old telescope we need to be built. And that was the best part for me, for sure. I just imagine, like, the conference room where they just bring in all sorts of people who deal with bureaucracy (laughs) and implement bureaucracy, trying to decide on the best name. And this was literally the only thing everybody could agree on. Like, Like, yeah, crushed it. Just the most. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) good job good job team yes (laughs) uh well yes it'll be like a decade before we even find out anything about this when the extremely large telescope is perhaps done uh so yeah we'll report back in a decade (laughs) great i'll see you then Uh, yep you got some nostalgia to talk about? Yes. Oh my gosh. Like, thank you for letting me do this because this is so ridiculous, but it just took me back to a time. Um, so this is a piece from space.com by Jeff Spry, and it's about how the movie Sphere is 25 this year and coming to TV as a series, which that's the part I almost didn't pick up on while reading this piece. But so Sphere, for those you know who don't know, was a film in 1998, and it's based on the 1987 Michael Crichton bestseller. And this was like kind of a big deal at the time when it came out, at least to me, it, it kind of followed the a big boom of sci-fi movies getting big budgets, stuff like Contact and like the abyss, the fifth element, uh, starship troopers, and you know all of this is is in this piece. And so then this film got a pretty big budget, and it was featuring stars like Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, Samuel Jackson, Liv Schreiber, and like Peter Coyote. It was directed by Barry Levinson, and so this big old movie comes out. It was a giant commercial flop, but was a movie that I was obsessed with for reasons that made me feel like I'm a sci-fi girl now. And I watched it more times than is, like, strictly advisable. (laughs) It's basically about, like, like Michael Crichton was trying to write a follow-up to Andromeda Strain. And so this book was about a well-known psychologist who, like, years before the setting of the book, wrote kind of a primer for establishing first contact with, like, other, you know, entities. And so he gets strong-armed and kind of voluntold by the Navy to join this group of scientists that are like an astrophysicist, a mathematician, I think like like a biochemist or something, um, to all go on this sort of sub-rosa mission to examine this giant alien spaceship at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean that like allegedly is like from the future, but then like came back in a black hole to the 18th century and that's where it's been chilling this whole time. So these scientists are supposed to go in and like figure out what's going on because it would appear that this mysterious gold orb that's in the spaceship maybe has like the ability to communicate and possibly to control 
your mind and make you like hallucinate. It's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and again, starring a lot of the big talent that I just mentioned. And like, there's, I think, ultimately some plot holes and some action stuff <laughs> that like, I don't 100% know jives the way it's supposed to. But apparently it's now getting turned into a series for, I think, HBO. Uh, wait, is it for HBO? I know it's from two of the people that were attached to Westworld at some point. So they're going to make it a full-blown series instead of just a movie. Um, and again, just the fact that it's been 25 years, like as soon as I saw this piece, I was like, oh, I have to go back and watch this movie and like see how well it, you know, quote unquote holds up. But it's just, yeah. And I just, I've never even read the book. Like I know it's based on Michael Crichton, but again, I used to go around doing that whole thing where I'd be like, I saw you go in the sphere. Like I thought I was so cool <laughs> watching this movie. And yeah, happy 25th anniversary to Sphere. And I guess I'll be tuning into the series. <laughs> Did you ever I watch it? I did. I don't think I had any idea that you were such a sphere person. To me, that is so random. <laughs> I'm just like, I did not realize because I, you know, I they do list like a bunch of the movies that came out that had sort of a, a similar feel, like first contact style movies. Um, yeah. And I've wa I'd watched almost all of them before I ever even heard about sphere. I just watched Spear for the first time. I mean, I watched it for the first time like seven years ago. So it was a while back. Oh, okay. But considering yeah. when it came out, like I was really late to even learning that Spear was a thing. Somehow, <laughs> I just completely, like a lot of people apparently, missed that it even came out or just like it didn't captivate my interest as much as other movies perhaps. But yeah. Once I saw it, it was very, it was already kind of dated, but I still enjoyed it, I will <laughs> say, as sort of like a popcorn, Michael Crichton yes. template movie. And I do like the whole, you know, bringing a bunch of different scientists together to figure out something. And, you know, first contact science fiction stories are some of my favorites. I'm, that's why I watched a lot of these Um that were listed here, but I definitely felt like it It did have, and the, this article says this, um, it did have like a B-movie feel to me, which was oh, fine, for sure. like a very big budget B-movie, because they spent so much money on this movie, and all the effects, like they get into detail about, you know, the um, miniatures, which really don't sound miniature to me, but the amount of work they put into this thing i guess i'm not surprised that to the people this movie spoke to it really spoke to them because it wasn't like a lazy job it was just like you know some plot stuff not going right some things just not were like being thought through completely but i just thought it was like a fun popcorn movie when i finally got around to watching it and it's just such a strange and, and hilarious thing that you are <laughs> so into it. <laughs> there's just and nothing it is about on, me gonna be goes, on Yeah, HBO that girl really likes Sphere. Like, there's not, you know. <laughs> like, it's, it's, and I know that. Like, I, I know that in my heart. There's just something about Samuel Jackson that really attracted me to me, too, because he's so, like, the only, oh, yeah. so typical, like, making the person of color be this, but, like, the only one looking around, like, are you out of your minds? Like, it's just... Uh, but yeah, B-movie is the best way to put that, like, absolutely. And I can't wait to rewatch it and, like, get all kinds of squick because I'm gonna. But now you know a thing about me. <laughs> I would totally watch this series. So I'll, I'll be right there, too. Once it comes out, I'll be there. Yes. <laughs> Great. I will call you. Uh, well, my last piece of news, other than, like, a quick update that'll take me two seconds at the end of this, is a really cool thing I just learned about this morning, the morning we are recording, and it is a fifth season role-playing game, something I never thought I would see. I never even, like, would have considered that the fifth season would be adapted into any sort of game, yeah. <laughs> to be quite honest. But yep. this is coming from Green Ronin Publishing. And by all accounts, it sounds like it has N.K. Jemison's blessing because Jemison 
it has a forward in the fifth season RPG. And this is, to be specific, like this is something that they are crowdfunding. And they had a $50,000 goal. They are already up to $151,744 as of right this minute with 1,844 backers. And they still have seven days left. And I think their last um, stretch goal is like, I think it's like 160,000. So yes, 160,000. So they are like obviously going to hit this stretch goal. They had like, I don't know, seven stretch goals. It is wild. But I guess it just shows the love and interest in fifth season and the world that Jemison so carefully and thoughtfully created. And I'm just like, this seems like a huge endeavor to try to adapt this Hugo Award winning series that is hugely beloved and to kind of you know, try to encapsulate this epic place and the communities that were created. And a huge part of this role-playing game are building the comms. So, of course, you have your characters that you develop as part of the game. And then you're also building comms, which uh, from the sound of it, the comms are basically characters all their own. And if you want to test it out, they actually give you the opportunity to download a free quick start. So you can download this free PDF that has an introduction to the stillness. It has basic rules to play, pre-generated characters, and a complete adventure. So you can get an introduction to the fifth season RPG. The team is really diverse and it sounds like You know, I would imagine they are all fans of this series because I think you would have to be in order to put the time and effort into an endeavor of this scale. Um, And I'm just, I'm not like an RPG player myself. Like I have never been involved in any RPG games or anything like that. But if I was, I would... 100% try this out just because I am so curious about it. Are you, do you, do you do RPG stuff? I don't, I don't know that I have ever heard that you do, but I just learned something new about you a second ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's great when we get to find things about each other on a podcast. Um, Yeah, Yeah. no, I have never played um, an RPG, but as uh, Sharifa also knows, because we work with this person, I am also friends with someone on staff who's very into RPGs. Shout out to Hannah. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I'm sort of just learning a little bit more about like how they function and just quite how like complex and, and, Uh, just involved it is and so yeah like having i also have not read these books and i've been meaning to for years i just held off for like some trigger warning reasons but the first thing Mm -hmm. anybody ever says when i ask about this series is basically like oh my gosh the world building and then of course lots of other glowing things but you can even tell in the, the graphics that are just previewed here that a lot of care went into getting the characters right. And obviously I, I, it helps if the, you said that people are hopefully fans of the series, but it looks really, really well done. And that alone kind of like yeah. piqued my interest. And just the the tagline, which again, remember, I know nothing about the series really, but the welcome to the stillness. So I was like, ooh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, that sounds cool. <laughs> even though I gather there's yeah. nothing still about it. <laughs> but, you know, hey, here we go. I would 100% not want to live in this world. I will tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. But a big shout out to them for, I agree too. I'm looking at these, gazing upon these graphics and illustrations and they're just like, they're so well done and just cool looking. So... Yeah, if you are into RPGs and also into the fifth season and all things Jemison, I highly recommend you click the link in the show notes and check it out and maybe even back it. Um, 
And then the last thing I wanted to mention, just because we were talking about this, I think last episode or a couple episodes ago, but uh, Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is finally out. It's streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, Disney Plus Informer is actually, and Michelle Beck is actually the one who announced it. So for all of those of you who heard about the series, which looks really cool and cute and has really fun animation you can finally see it on disney plus it is available all right well before we get into our tiktok talk <laughs> that was so ridiculous <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> we are going to break for a sponsor today's episode is brought to you by penguin team in a world where the children of the gods inherit their powers, a descendant of the Greek fates must solve a series of impossible murders to save her sisters, her soulmate, and her city. Descendants of the fates are always born in threes. There's one to weave, one to draw, and one to cut the threads that connect people to the things they love and to life itself. And the Aura sisters are no exceptions. There is Eo, the youngest, who uses her fate-born abilities as a private investigator, but her latest job leads her to a horrific discovery. Somebody is abducting women and setting the resulting wraiths loose in the city to kill. Now, the second book in the series, Hearts That Cut, will be on sale June 18th, 2024. This is a must-read for all Greek mythology and fantasy fans. This is dripping with atmosphere, edged with danger. Threads That Bind weaves together a gorgeous dark tapestry of mystery, fated romance, and modern myth. You won't be able to put this one down. And that comes from Alexandra Bracken, New York Times bestselling author of Lore. So make sure to pick up Threads That Bind by Kitsa Hatsapolu. And thanks again to Penguin Teen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Taming Seven is an epic and unforgettable love story in the international bestselling and TikTok phenomenon, The Boys of Tom and Series from Chloe Walsh. So Tommen's cheekiest lad, Jared Gibsy Gibson, has always been a comedian, but inside he is haunted by events of the past and he uses humor to cope, hiding his true self from the world. Then you have Claire Biggs, who is the epitome of sunshine. She's always loved Gibsy, her brother's friend and her favorite neighbor. She also has always seen a side to him that no one else seems to notice, and she becomes determined to tame her wild-at-heart childhood best friend. So The Boys of Tom and Series is an internationally best-selling YA romance series that has taken TikTok by storm. It's perfect for readers looking for new adult slash crossover romance, dual point of views, friends to lovers, marathon worthy TikTok books, and angsty tear jerkers. Taming Seven is published today and it's the fifth book in the series. So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, and we are back and still laughing. I just, I was so excited that you were going to be a guest because I have been wanting to talk about <laughs> SFF TikTok. And to be um, clear, we are also talking about reels. We're basically talking short form videos and TikTok and Instagram reels are the two sources. But I was really excited because I know Jen is not into tiktok or reels and so i'm not stealing this away from her but Correct. i know from our days in the pandemic and etc that we have both spent our fair share of time on tiktok looking at all sorts of ridiculousness um, and so i wanted us to be able to have an opportunity to take a look at sff tiktok and reels and to talk about what we found there and our thoughts and all sorts of things. So I just wanted to kick off by by uh, letting everybody know what our background is with TikTok and Reels. So why don't you why don't you kick us off with your experience, your background? Sure. <clears throat> so yeah, as Sharifa said in early pandemic days, and really even now, I was spending a lot of time on TikTok. I'm mainly a person who just lurks and then have occasionally dabbled into like a little bit of like low-key creation but that has been like pretty pretty new um so most of my content that gets served to me is definitely not 
at least it hasn't been until relatively recently, not of the book variety at all. Like it's actually taken Mm -hmm. kind of a concerted effort on my part to seek out more book content. And some of that is probably just a byproduct of the fact that like I do what I do for a living. So uh, my relationship with TikTok is like really robust and that I spend plenty of time on the app itself, but did not have like too much of an association to BookTok. Um, Although as Sharifa hints at later, because of research for the show, my For You page is now like, oh, now you're going to get all of it served to you. Here you go. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Great. Thank you. Because I needed this approximately four days ago. (laughs) But anyway, that's where I'm at. (laughs) How about you? Yeah. And. I am very similar. Um, I started using TikTok for skating, like roller skating videos. Like I posted roller skating stuff and I almost exclusively followed random roller skating accounts. So, so much of my For You feed is skaters and also black creators who are doing all sorts of things lots of like funny meme content because (laughs) (laughs) I really go to TikTok these days for a good laugh like that is what I seek out thousand percent Um, so yeah I don't really have I have not had any bookish content really in my my algorithm is not serving me that stuff much less SFF TikTok. Um, And then with reels, I'm mostly watching what people are eating in various countries. That's basically all I really look at. (laughs) Yep, there's some overlap here. (laughs) That's my other interest, you know? I I don't know what to say. So I think it's, uh, it was an interesting, it makes it all the more interesting in exercise to actually go out and look for this stuff because it's so new to both of us and and I feel like, you know, our perspectives are very uh untouched or were untouched yeah. before we got to this. So let's talk a little bit about how we went about even finding SFF TikTok reels. So did you have like a method? Yeah, I kind of just hopped on at first hoping that, you know, it would just sort of happen. And that definitely wasn't the case. And that was after like a few days yeah. of just because I tend to like mess around with it, like at least once a day for same reasons that it's often like an end of day escape. Um, most of my content is either like, yeah, like creators of color, a lot of like funny meme based, like Latina content and food stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, that's not going to work. And then I really ended up resorting to, you know, good old hashtags, basically. And I found that to be a little more cumbersome a process than I expected. Like on Reels, I found it almost impossible. Like I, I kind of had to default more to finding like one video that finally sort of worked and then exploring the hashtags they're in or maybe seeing like who that person followed. On TikTok, I was at least able to kind of go like SFF book talk or like SFF books, SFF or, you know, fantasy books, sci-fi books. And that kind of led me. But then we will talk about our findings, I suppose, more robustly soon, but you get yeah. served uh, a very specific and non-diverse kind of content, even when you do that. And it really takes some digging to find more variety therein, at least for me. Yeah. <laughs> did you go about it similarly or was it a little bit different? I definitely, I did the same thing. I really did have to rely on search um, for mm-hmm. TikTok and You know, TikTok has even, like, the layout has changed since when Mm -hmm. I first started using it. So I had to sort of reacclimate. I haven't been using it as much as I did before. So I had to, like, re-familiarize myself with how I even go about looking for stuff. And so that was a a bit of an interesting um, situation. But I finally did just do a couple of really rudimentary searches like SFF books and fantasy books and science fiction books, same as you. And I definitely had the same experience of, you know, what I was served in the top posts or the top videos, especially for TikTok. And we can talk a little bit more about the differences between TikTok and 
reels, but the search experience and the discovery experience was so different for me there. And I definitely got overwhelmed for a moment because I was like, well, I don't want to just like choose all like a bunch of videos that are basically like the same thing, but I don't really know how to find other videos unless they're served to me in my For You page because the algorithm has discovered I'm interested. So it was a little bit of a, it was more of a challenge than I expected going in. Um, but we did find some things and I feel like I was pleasantly surprised by some of the great and interesting and fun creators I found by trying to go a little bit beyond just the top page. So why don't we talk about some of our our highlights, some of the, the people out there that really hooked us with their SFF content. Uh, did you find anybody in particular? And we don't have to go through the whole list. We'll drop them all in the show notes in case anybody wants to start looking at um, some TikToks and some reels, but do you have some some favorites out of your list? Yeah, actually, some of the ones that I found, um, and again through like very distinct processes, ended up being like creators that you actually have on your list. I was like, okay, well, that's good, I suppose. <laughs> um, but also kind of wild that like in two searches of the worldwide web or you know TikTok that like we would have landed on some of the same ones. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Um, but some highlights. Uh, so this first creator is one that this is the the one probably of this entire list that I was actually much more intimately familiar with because this person did crack into like my um, for you page some time ago on TikTok, likely for their focus on Latinx or they actually go use Latinx more comfortably uh, content. And that's tomes and textiles. The creator's name is Carmen and she does not specifically focus on SFF to content. So I want to like make that very clear, but does do some great, uh, basically, again, just focuses on Latinx lit. So there's a, just a you know whole world world of really great SFF picks like they're in. And the video that immediately came to mind when I knew we were going to do this is this two part series that she has on um, books for people who are like are interested in Namor from the you know Wakanda Forever. <laughs> they're great. Like they have yep. just a bunch of really great uh, books that have the like Mexican and Mexica like mythology built in. So really, really excellent two videos. And then did one on like picks for people who want. Latinx reads like Wednesday, the series. And like, I loved that series very much. And she does the whole, you know, wearing the black dress and doing that little, oh, dance, dance, dance. <laughs> routine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, pardon the terrible vocal stylings. But yeah, so I, I found three of her videos were the ones that I was like, yeah, these are great because they do give some really phenomenal and diverse SFF uh, recommendations therein. So that was one of my first ones. Um, do you want to talk about one of yours, maybe? Yeah, sure. Um, I will talk about Tori, that nerd, was uh, – all of these were new to me. All of my picks um, came from just looking around. But Tori, that nerd, was so <laughs> funny and so – So funny. Interesting. I, I put in – in quotes this uh one comment she makes in the link that i'll i'll share but <laughs> she says this book is slower than molasses and but she was like recommending this book while she but it's like super honest yeah. and like this is just what i thought about it and i love that because there are a lot of and I'm not going to say, obviously, I'm not going to use anybody's handle. But to me, there was there were a lot of like very fawning videos that felt a little bit <laughs> like, okay, this feels like you're recommending these books, but it doesn't feel like I'm I'm getting much out of the recommendations. I'm just seeing the covers and then you're saying it's great and that's the end of the story. So I loved it when I found creators who are not only just doing the same sort of listicle I was finding all over the place, but who were really speaking honestly about what they thought about the books. And even if they loved the books, then there was still something else to say about it. There was more nuance to the recommendation and to the ways they felt about it. So even though it was just like, you know, I pulled this out initially because the, the book is slower than molasses because it made me laugh out loud. But 
Also because, like, I really appreciate that directness and honesty. And I will still, like, if you sell the book, I will still read it. And now I know that it's just slow and maybe I need to give it a little extra time. So Tori, that nerd, just, like, spoke to my heart. And I love I love what that creator is doing on TikTok. And I guess we can that talk about That was actually one of the ones we had in common. Oh, yeah, really? no, I was just going to quickly That's say that funny. that is the one. Yeah, and it was funny enough, it wasn't even as part of this project. Like, I had favorited it a while ago because I was just curious about the, a book that had kind of been fed to me over and over again. It was the traitor. That's the book she's talking about, or they're talking about on other pronouns. Yeah, um, the traitor But the. Yeah, it was the Trader Baru Karma, and that's the book that they're like, they're, it's actually one of their favorite SFF reads ever. And so they're speaking very highly yeah. of it, <laughs> but also calling it slower than molasses. I was like, okay, good to know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. And that is a book I've actually had on my list for a while. So I was really interested in, in hearing what, yep. what was going to be said about it. Did you have any other favorites from your list? I I watched them all and they were all so good. So I don't know how you choose, but you can try. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and do somebody Latina just because why not? Um, so Drea Reads was one that I really enjoyed. She is a Puerto Rican creator and is queer and like talks so much about like, hey, I'm here to promote and talk about diverse queer SFF. The video that I linked is one where... And I might be confusing two of her videos now, but like where she's like, I am auditioning to be your SFF girly. Like I want to like talk to you about diverse <laughs> queer SFF and like gives lots of recommendations to based on like what mood you're in. But in between like every second or third batch of recommendations, she <laughs> pipes in this like side commentary. It's like, but what about Dune? How about Dune? How come you're talking about Dune? That was Why don't so you recommend funny. Dune? <laughs> and it was my favorite part just because as we all, if anybody who spends any kind of time, not just in, you know, SFF book talk, but just like the bookish world in general, so many people will harangue you when you put together a list of recommendations for not recommending like a book that like clearly has been read at this point by like some white guy. <laughs> a lot of her content yes. kind of leads into like, hey, it's time to make space. Like people know about Dune, enough about Dune. And so anyway, that that hooked me. <laughs> I really loved her content. Uh, great times. I thought that was so funny because as I was going through, like the first thing I did was put in like top videos, like, or I didn't put top videos. I put fantasy books in my search. That was the search term. Mm -hmm. And I found a lot of, you know, a specific type of content. And then when I went to yep. search for sci-fi book in on TikTok, I got different. It was like a completely different vibe on that landing page, the top videos there. But one of the for things sure. I noted before I even watched your video was like, Wow, there's a lot of Dune recommendations amongst these videos. Like, so much. There was a lot more classic sci-fi rep for sure in all of the sci-fi top videos. But Dune was the one that kept coming up every single time. And I was like, how many people yep. need this recommendation? Let's let's just no like be honest with ourselves. <laughs> so I laughed so hard when I read, I mean, when I watched uh, that video and she had that Dune. What about Dune? <laughs> so good. Please, and it's in that voice too. Just... I'm not just being weird. Yeah. <laughs> like go watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes. My other favorite was Cult of Books. And... It was also just because I'm telling you, like, I just I I go to TikTok because I want to laugh. But Cult of Books is really great at talking about books. Again, it is like recommending a bunch of books, but she does a great job of and not just because she has an English accent. And I feel like I just always listen a little bit more with the English accent because I love We are predictable. <laughs> yeah, I can't help myself. But she's just so funny and she has like great comedic timing and she's one of those people who just knows how to talk about books in such an interesting way and seamlessly too. I know there's a bunch of editing that goes into these videos. I am not that naive. 
but it just felt really seamless and I would just I I felt that urge that I that made me kind of quit TikTok for a while to just keep watching and watching and watching mm-hmm. and going through mm-hmm. all of this creators videos and all of the all of the creators I chose like I was specifically looking for people who had some diverse recs like because one of the things that you mentioned a moment ago and that I also found was that a lot of the recommendations uh, especially on the top videos page were kind of they were all the same like you would come across the same book time and again it's not just dune in the fantasy book searches it was just like a lot of the same YA fantasy and I know everybody who has dealt with TikTok and everybody who has read anything about book talk and criticism around book talk in general has said much the same thing like you just end up seeing the same authors you don't see a lot of diverse rep um, in terms of creators and in terms of the titles being recommended so uh, Cult of Books was one of those uh, creators that just had really great inclusive book rep and character rep and so i i just love all of those videos and recommend that everybody follows them did you find any anything else that you noticed as far as like trends in what you saw in your your findings um things that bothered you things you really liked yeah, I mean, we've kind of said it, but like, it's just, it really felt so homogenous. Um, like in fantasy, I tend, I mean, I will say like one breakout title by a person of color that I was like, hey, collect your check is uh, The Legendborn Cycle, like by, um, oh my gosh, of course, I just blanked on her name, Tracy Dion, um, which is great, yes. but like, and I love those books so much. Arthurian Legend, why fantasy? Fantastic. But like, that seemed to be the only book that was really permeating through that you know, kind of list, it's ended up seeing like I was looking at the same like four or five creators and some of them had really great content. Like, don't get me wrong. But the fact that it Mm -hmm. took me endless scroll to see someone with like melanin (laughs) or again to see, you know, a lot of people obviously label their videos and it was like, and this is zero shade to any of these series, but it's like, again, I don't, at this point, I know about A Court of Thorn and Roses. I know about some of these like more, you know, popular series. It it took a bit to get to a place that A, not only was more diverse, both from like a queer perspective, from, you know, BIPOC creators, but also like you mentioned, that actually gave me a sense of what the books they were talking about was about and that wasn't just like oh my god this book you're going to get your life like that's great but if the whole purpose of this is to in theory like help with discoverability a lot of folks really weren't saying much about books and that's the part where I had like a funny disconnect because I will fully disclose and this is I in not at all I don't mean this in a shady way because I think you could say this about a lot of content but book talk does not feel like it is quote-unquote for me as a person who is very seeped into the book world already. Like, I don't really need it to serve me recommendations. It's great when it does, but, like, I I live in this book space. Like, this is what I do. I edit other people's content for a living. Like, I am inundated with that sort of thing. I like it for the entertainment value. And so when I was looking at the stuff that is supposed to be recommendations for people who are not so immersed in that world and genuinely are coming for discoverability, it kind of bummed me out that there wasn't more variety therein unless you really go searching for it. And I wonder how many people are doing so versus just letting the For You page, you know, guide them. Um, So that was like a bummer and speaks a lot to why... You know, with whenever people talk about the resurgence or not resurgence, but like the titles that are really getting a big, you know, boost from TikTok, that list as a direct result is also kind of homogenous because TikTok, the, their algorithm is not working in the favor of more diverse creators. So that was my my bit here. <laughs> I imagine you found some of the same. Yeah, I hate to just repeat the same thing, but I I was thinking about a lot of that too. And, you know, like, because of the nature of my work as well. I mean, I I do short form videos as part of my work. It's very different type. It's a very different type of short form video, but there, you know, I I know that part of the world 
but I feel a little bit fatigued in my personal life to go out and look at stuff that's book related on TikTok and Reels. And Mm -hmm. so I didn't really know what to expect, but I kind of did because I have read enough and I know about, you know, what people are saying about book talk that, you know, I hope to be pleasantly surprised. But unfortunately, like I know a lot of people do use TikTok as their sort of Google instead of in place of like Google search, they will go to TikTok, whether it's to look for recommendations for, you know, where to go eat in a certain place, but also like all what to read. And I felt the same sort of concern, I guess I could say, um, about people just being fed these same authors from the algorithm. And we talk about, you know, who gets a platform here a lot, who gets funding and marketing dollars behind their books and who gets talked about as, well, this is what the people want. The people have said they want it. We can see it by, you know, who the, gets the top video uh, views yeah. and and what books show up there. But it, it's algorithm stuff and the algorithm is biased, as we all know. And there is a lot of incentive for people to continue to promote the same types of books because they see that that's what makes a popular video and the people they follow are all talking about those books. It's like kind of a vicious cycle in my mind, not to be an absolute bummer about (laughs) this whole world out there because I will also say there is so much good stuff if you take the time to search and I really loved some of the content I saw, obviously, there are so many really interesting and great creators who are working hard to be inclusive and who are black and brown people who are BIPOC and who are trying to get more rep out there. So I do not want to take anything away from those individuals and the things they're trying to do. But I, it's just an observation, you know, it's something I noticed. And, and yeah, I guess we can end on on whether and I think maybe we've answered this question already, but whether we are (laughs) going to continue (laughs) to explore the world of SFF TikTok and Reels. How, how, How are you feeling? Yeah, I think uh, the the algorithm has spoken for me at this point in that I was looking at it this morning and I was like, well, thank you for this information that I guess I should have started doing this even more in advance because it is feeding it to me now. Um, I do want to expand my discovery of book talk in general, not just SFI book talk, but definitely therein, Um, just for general book person reasons, as far as like I do enjoy or enjoy is maybe even a weird word, but like I, yeah, I, I like being in the know because you do also, it's, it's important to stay on top of like those kinds of trends and to be able to speak about changes that are or are not taking place. Um, and because every once in a while I do stumble across someone who's on there just reporting like book world tea and that is fun also. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I think I will interact with it more than I did previously, but not necessarily again in the way like for discoverability of like books so much as just general like what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. I feel very like, hello, fellow kids. Um, and that's fine. Yeah. But I feel like I should Same. I should know about it. <laughs> so, you know, here we go, I guess. <laughs> And you? Yeah, I think I will. I I am sure that I'm going to see more stuff in my For You feed. And I've kind of felt a little bit more of a desire to return to TikTok and Reels like outside of work just to keep up to date and uh, pretend I'm Gen Z. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I... I will definitely stop and watch whatever. I already ended up following a couple of people that I really liked. So I'm definitely going to pause and see what they're up to and what they're talking about. And who knows, maybe I'm going to get some great recommendations of books that I haven't thought about picking up um, or that have been on my TBR and will push it up the list. But uh, I think that I will always 
have to balance out how much bookish content and how much mm -hmm. in general I'm consuming of the book world in my personal life because like you said, it's our job. So, yep. But it was fun. It was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> what about Dune? What about Dune? <laughs> I really, really Don't want that, that to be your episode title. <laughs> yes. It's so good. That's actually great. I, I think I'll have to do that. Uh, well, thank you so much for being a guest on this show. Thank you for indulging me in my need to look at TikTok again and again. Absolutely. And... Yeah. Thank you all for listening. SFF Yeah is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. Uh, you can find more recommendations at bookriot.com. And you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much again for listening. If you want to email us ideas for upcoming episodes or talk to us about your TikTok experiences, you can email us at <laughs> sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment to spare, please review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you listen to us. It does help people find us. Uh, you can find us online. Where can they find you online, Vanessa? I am occasionally on TikTok, but mostly on Instagram <laughs> at Wendell's DSSD. Uh, the S is spelled like my last name, D-I-A-Z. And you can find me on Instagram at Williams. And if you do want to see some roller skating TikTok videos, I suppose you can also find me at Oracular Pig. And we will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>